0: Welcome to The Sword in the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword in the Trial today. We are so glad to have you with us and would love to have you with us January 20th through the 24th. That's coming up very, very soon. Very quickly. We have a conference down here called The Only God. And it is on the doctrine of God. You'll be preaching there, Tom, and I'll be preaching. And we got Vodi bakum preaching, and Chad Vegas uh, preaching out from California. James Dolezal will be here. Who's done wonderful work on mm-hmm. Divine Simplicity and God Without Passions. And um, we're going to be doing some Just Thinking together with Just Thinking our, podcast with yeah, Virgil and, Virgil and Daryl. And so we're just going to have a really good time. There's a lot of things going on at the conference. So if you're coming, uh, heads up: there is a fam dinner also called a ministry update dinner but we like fam rather
1: than mud so. yes
0: and you know we just want to be honest with people we're, we're going to tell you about the ministry and then we're going to encourage you to support the ministry so you know we if you like what we're doing and you've got means we encourage you to um to support us and we're going to be giving you all kinds of details about what's happened at founders and what's going to be coming up in the new year so that is friday
1: Friday, twenty second. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and we've got tickets still available. There's a limited number of spaces uh, that we have access to, but this is going to be a dinner on site. I think it's fifteen dollars, which is it's our cost, so it's, it's whatever the uh, food actually uh, costs us to provide. So, I encourage you to sign up for that. It's going to be great fellowship and it'll be a good opportunity to have some downtime around the tables with folks at the conference. Then, what else we have going on?
0: Well, um, we're going to have more info about the Institute of Public Theology yeah. that will be coming out. And so thanks for encouragement and prayers regarding the Institute. And we have an after party on Friday night. It's going to be a wonderful time. Vody Bach will be preaching at Grace Baptist Church Sunday. So I'd love for you to stay around for Sunday. Pre-conference is on Wednesday, the 20th. And so you do need to register for that. That's going to be a wonderful time. Uh, Courage for Christ in the public square Mm. above all earthly powers. And so uh, you and I recently published a book called Strong and Courageous, which is available for pre-order now. And so some of that will be at play on that Wednesday night pre-conference. And then some of that about the Institute as well. Votie Bauckham will be um, there and you will be speaking in some form or fashion as well. So we'd love to have you at the conference.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a new year, man. It's Uh, a new year. We We had our first Lord's Day of the new year recently, and um, facing 2021, everybody's breathing a sigh of relief that 2020 is behind us, but uh, the reality is we are still in the 2020s, and so we've got probably lots to look forward to that will be challenging for Mm -hmm. Christians, just as this last year has in the West, and especially America, been challenging. But it's, it's been kind of funny to watch and listen to people say, man, this is the worst year. It's got to be one of the worst years in history. And say, yeah, you know, unless you lived in like 80, 90 or something, uh-huh, like that, you uh-huh. know, or, or any other number of years throughout the 2000 years yeah. of the church. Unless history. you actually
0: did live through the black plague. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
1: So uh, it's been challenging, but it's been challenging in the ways that ha- have been good for us because we have been tested. We have been called to go back down to foundational issues, and. In reality, we've been exposed in a lot of ways as evangelicals in America to see just how superficial our faith has been. We've believed things that have been easy to believe in times of prosperity. But give us a little bit of hardship, mm-hmm. and it's suddenly like, oh no, you know, we've got to take new measures. We've got to take uh, uh, new principles and apply them. And we've seen that happen, and it's been revealing. Yeah. And by God's grace, we need to come back to the word and say, okay, what does the scripture say? We're going to live here regardless of what happens, regardless of cost or consequences.
0: Yeah. There's this, um, this interesting idea about. Uh, opportunities when there are these kind of sea changes or when there are shifts at the foundation. I remember hearing one brother say that uh, after 9-11, you know, every single flight was leaving the Middle East Mm. and coming to America. And he just happened to be on a flight all by himself with his family flying to the Middle East. He said, there's not a single person on the plane. And he's a missionary. He's going there to preach Christ. And there's an opportunity there, right? right? Cheap flights. right? right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And um, I remember talking to one brother when everything started with kind of the COVID pandemic and all of the panic that happened with it. And he said, man, flights are cheap right now. Yeah. He's taking advantage <laughs> of opportunities. Yeah. And some of that involves facing the danger, of course, using wisdom. Um, but when you have, you know, if the, if the society is saying, for whatever reason it is, not just the... Um, the COVID issue, but other issues when they're all saying there's a line in the streets and you have the ability to actually accomplish these things. You have opportunities that are presented to you. I think there's a lot of that in the new year. Mm -hmm. and I don't know exactly what form or fashion it will take, but it can kind of give you a breath of fresh air. If you're thinking about reformation, if you're thinking about serving the Lord Jesus, you say, okay, you know, where are the lies? If a lot of people are believing lies Mm -hmm. and there's an increase of lies and okay, well, What's the truth? And if I know the truth, I can go and live for the Lord Jesus Christ and, um, and have greater opportunity to do it, yeah. greater resources to do it than in other situations.
1: Yeah, I, someone, uh, I forget now who, but put up on Twitter um, a few days ago, you know, what's, how would you describe 2020 in one word? And there were thousands of responses to it. And I thought, okay, I'll play. Uh, and I put opportunity. And I, I see that. I think God has opened our eyes to some of that. I mean, really, that's the history of the Institute of Public Theology. Mm-hmm. That came out of this sense of, okay, we're, we're seeing fractures and foundations that we didn't know existed, but or maybe we thought they existed, but now they've become massively apparent. What can we do? And with people, uh, talking to us and asking us really begging us in some ways man why don't you do something what we need help in these areas that's where this whole idea for the institute was birthed and how it got nurtured and now has come to fruition and as christians we should be thinking like that because we've said before and it's right and it's something we need to constantly remind ourselves of is that though there is all kind of change around us. And 2020 was a a year of massive change societally Mm -hmm. in governmental regulations, in uh, church operations. I mean, when when you've got magistrates telling churches, look, you can worship online, Mm -hmm. telling us what we can and should be doing, things have changed significantly. But the most important things have not changed. The most important things are exactly the same, the way they've always been. And if we can orient our thinking and hitch our affections to those unseen realities that never change, well, then we will be able to assess the change and decay that all around we see with different eyes. And we'll see it not just as, oh no, we got to tuck tail and run we'll see it here is tremendous opportunity for those of us who know the unchanging realities that are found in a crucified risen christ
0: yeah the uh the opportunity thing i can think of a couple applications so you have like doctrinal applications and then maybe what you could call like sanctification applications so when things get rowdy as they did in 2020 and you have uh, civil authorities telling churches Mm -hmm. what to do, right? So you Mm -hmm. mentioned this, you have this, well, it's a moment for like to discover as a Christian community, what we believe Mm -hmm. our doctrinal issues. Like sometimes things that we realize are like, Oh, we need to, we need to recover a doctrine because, or we need to discover what we really believe about uh, a particular issue. And we didn't, think about it because this kind of thing wasn't happening but now there's a shift and it's 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 opened up this hole and we Mm. say okay what does god's word say about this and you can think of you know jesus being king of kings what does that mean the whole romans 13 issue there's a lot of a lot of talk about that text and that's a if you're thinking right you're like that's great yeah we got we got a lot of christians at least talking and thinking about (laughs) romans 13 in the year 2020 it's like the part of the bible that opened up and then sanctification same thing so um some of the things that have happened is through the through people morally posturing there's been a lot of moral mm. posturing um it you start to discover what's going on in people's hearts yeah. in, in our own hearts like am i looking down on my brother um for something you know that's not even a legitimate law it's not right. even a legitimate standard so right. i'm not I'm, I'm. I can falsely accuse my brother for something, and that can run in all sorts of directions. Whatever camp you've been in on particular issues that have come about, um, it helps us to rediscover like what actually is the ethical life. You know, yeah. I recently wrote a piece. There's um, um, a few men who are Christian brothers, and they wrote that there was a, um, a moral, moral obligation, obligation to take the vaccination while at the same time it was a matter of christian liberty well you know it can't be both Mm -hmm. and so it's either a matter of christian liberty or it's a matter of moral obligation that god has revealed to us and it gives us a chance to work out our our doctrines and so there's sanctification and doctrinal opportunities as things shift
1: yeah and i think there there are more no doubt but there are three massively important christian doctrines that have been exposed as uh, we need to do better work on these doctrines one is the doctrine of law and gospel what does the scripture say in terms of our duty our obligation and what does the scripture say in regards to god's provision for our needs so the scripture is imperative it's indicative and if we get the imperatives and indicatives mixed up then we're going to be in bad trouble and that's been shown to be the case uh, quite often where we look at what the scripture says and requires and we kind of downplay that and then we manufacture our own sense of what ought to be done or what people should be responsible for and we hold them accountable to that and If you're not straight on law and gospel, if you're not living on the basis of what God's done for us in Christ, the provisions we have in Christ, that it's sheer grace, it's not grace plus our works, not grace plus our good intentions, it's all God's grace and what Jesus has once for all already done for everyone who trusts in him. If you're not settled in that and then clear on your responsibilities that God himself has revealed. It's not responsibilities that other people uh, have the authority to put upon you apart from what God has said in his word or contrary to that word. Well, then when somebody comes to you and says, hey, You should be doing this. You should be thinking this way. You should be taking these steps or else you don't believe in justice. If you don't do this, then you don't really care about righteousness. If you're not clear on that, you will be easily played. You'll be easily manipulated by the uh, stories, by the persuasiveness of the people, by your own sense of uh, desire to, to see good come to people. So we need to be clear on it. And if you're clear on it and God doesn't require it, and God doesn't forbid it, and somebody comes and tries to obligate you to something that God has not required or forbidden, you can look at them and say, Uh-uh. And have no qualms of conscience mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. You can care about them and try to help them get over their misunderstanding without yourself being manipulated. So long gospel's one. A second one's ecclesiology. And man, uh, we we have been exposed massively. Whenever you've got evangelical leaders saying, "We're going to tell you how to have the Lord's Supper online," you'll know, get you some grape juice or whatever you got available. Orange juice will work, and get a Dixie cup and get a cracker. And I'm thinking, are you serious? Do you have you read the Bible? Do you understand even what is going on in the prescriptions for the Lord's table? And yet, there we are. So we've been exposed in terms of our. Um, superficial ecclesiology that exists so rampantly in the evangelical world. And then third and most fundamentally, and this is why we are having the, the, the conference we're having on the theme we're having is the doctrine of God. I mean, where's God in all of this? God is sitting on his throne. He's right where he was when his son was being executed. He wasn't a bystander. He He wasn't someone who was caught off guard. He was the master of ceremonies at his son's execution. And he was doing it for his glory. He was doing it for the good of his people. He was doing it for the advance of his kingdom. He was doing it for the fulfillment of the promises that he's made to us throughout all of scripture. And the fact that God has been sovereign from the beginning, was sovereign in uh, not only creation, but also redemption can assure us that he is sovereign in providence and in this very moment and in 2020, and will be sovereign in 2021. So that doesn't mean that we just say que or sera, sera, but it does mean we live by faith and confidence. And whatever comes to us in 2021 will have been filtered through the loving hands of our Heavenly Father who gave up His Son to redeem us. And if we get the doctrine of God straight, if we come to understand more and more of what He's revealed about Himself, it'll settle us. It'll keep us grounded. It will prevent us from being moved beyond the parameters that the scripture calls us to live within.
0: Yeah. You know, as we consider all of those doctrines and you think about launching out into a new year, it's a time for resolve. It's time for making resolutions. So people make resolutions. Here we are on day five. And of course, there's the joke that, you know, whatever resolution you made, maybe it's already gone (laughs) by day five. So you're already behind in your Bible reading plan. be honest, you are about a chapter behind in your Bible reading plan. Um, or perhaps, you know, you were supposed to run a mile every day and, you know, you haven't been doing that, whatever it is. (laughs) We know how easy it is to do that. And so you kind of get this, um, the new year uh, causes everybody to think about their life and their work. So you have this idea of work. And you can kind of imagine two ways to make mistakes. They're both mistakes, and it happens because of the way that we're thinking incorrectly underneath. But the two mistakes are, on the one hand, you might say, it's the new year, so I'm going to really resolve to do some things. I'm going to, I'm going to exert um, strength and power and mental energy. I'm going to make a plan. Here's what I'm going to do. But you do it all without faith. And what I mean you do it all without faith is you're not doing it thinking about God. So, mm-hmm. you know, doctrine of God. Uh, Where's God in all of this? Well, I don't know where God is in all of this, but I know that I'm overweight. And I know I want to lose weight. Just simple. Just overweight. I want to lose weight. What's the deal? I don't need to talk about God right now. I need to talk about losing weight. Okay. So he, he has nothing to do with me losing weight. Uh, this is just a thing. And I know it's just a mechanism. All I got to do is eat a bunch of salad and water and I got to move more than I sit, you know, and burn more calories than I take in and I'll be fine. I'll be able to do this. No need for God. No need for faith. No need for spiritual talk about something that's so tangible, man. That's your deal. That's, And you're going to have all kinds of problems because all that you do, you do by faith. Mm -hmm. And God matters for everything that you do. But we know what it's like to flow in that direction. And then, because we're wonky on this, we jump to the other side. And what we say is, I'm just going to have faith and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about resolve. I'm not going to worry about resolutions. I'm not mm-hmm. going to worry about a plan because I'm just going to go wherever I go every day. And I'm just going to say, if God wills, and yeah. I don't need to actually do these things. And so, you know what? It's probably okay to be overweight. <laughs> it's probably okay to be uh, whatever, you know? I don't need to be so diligent about reading my Bible. There's been people throughout church history that haven't read their Bible through every year. And so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to kind of go with the flow and I'm going to let go and I'm going to let God. Mm-hmm. And so we claim that having faith means that we don't have any need to work. On the one hand, on the other hand, we say if we need to get to work, well, then we just need to not worry about faith. And what we need to cultivate is how to work by faith, mm-hmm. how to trust God, mm-hmm. and make a plan. Oh, uh, it wasn't yeah. it was it Cromwell who said, you know, pray and keep your powder dry, yeah, something like <laughs> I that. But, it was well,
1: you know, Paul in, in Philippians 2, he says, "Work out your salvation with fear and trembling." So that's our responsibility. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. So we do work. We must work. It's an obligation. It's a duty. It's responsibility. But we only do so by the grace and enabling power of God. And, and when Jonathan Edwards wrote, you know, his famous resolutions, he, he prefaced it with this: "Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat Him by His grace to enable me to keep these resolutions." So. Far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. I mean, that's it right there. It's the understanding that yes, I must work and it is right for me to make plans, it's right for me to have resolution, but I cannot keep these plans and I will not be resolved without his grace. And there are some things perhaps that I might be resolved to do that wouldn't be in accordance with his will and where those are exposed, then I should renounce them. I mean, if you make a a vow to do something that is sinful, then the most holy thing you can do is break your vow. It's not to to keep something that is contrary to God's will. And we have to work. You and I were talking before uh, earlier this morning about the dangers of thinking of our Christian life in kind of a siloed way where it's just uh, a subjective type of pietism. And we don't really think as uh, fulsomely, as holistically as we should about all of life. But the God who has created us has created all of life, and the God who has redeemed us has redeemed us so that we will live in this world for his glory for all of life. And the Bible gives us a clear vision and view of how this world really is and should be and our responsibility to it, our relationship in it, and how we are to live in every area. So just as you said, man, you know, losing weight or getting up and going to the office or the job site or coming home to love your wife life or take care of your kids or taking out the trash all of these things are within the purview of a christian thinking about doing in a holy way that doesn't mean that there's a, a right way to take the garbage to the street and then there's a simple way to take the garbage to the street that will you know look obviously different to each other but yeah i mean you can do it in faith or you can do it in unbelief and as christians we need to be working to live by faith in everything we do first corinthians 10 31 Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. That is so comprehensive. How Mm -hmm. do you how do you take a drink of water to the glory of God? Well, you at least need to think about it. Mm -hmm. You at least need to know that there is a responsibility that you have. And if you're not conscious of it, if you just dismiss it and say, Ah, you know, that's just regular life. I don't have to think about God in that, then you're not thinking biblically
0: yeah in some ways it's so simple it can get very complicated because we're sinful and we get twisted but it's so simple i mean as a christian you wake up every day and you say i'm a son of god i'm a daughter of god like full stop (laughs) through the blood of christ jesus is risen from the dead and you got to preach that gospel to yourself that christ uh, has come and he is my righteousness he's dead for me he is risen for me and that's done that's settled so, father, it's a father that I have, mm-hmm. and he loves me. And the key text I pray these for my children a lot, and I want to remind them a lot. He rejoices over you with loud singing. Um, you know, you need to have strength to comprehend how much God loves you. Paul says, and you mm-hmm. can't understand it because it surpasses knowledge. But that you just need to know. You you at least can know that you can't know how great His love is towards mm-hmm. you, and you just get it in your head. It's like the thing that you have to stamp down because. It will then free you to be like, now get to work, Mm -hmm. like get to it, like you. When that's settled, then it's like, yeah, let's go slay Goliath. You know, (laughs) well, what if I die? Well, I don't know, might. (laughs) What if I fail? What if I get a silver medal? You know, Mm -hmm. what if I don't? What if I fall down? I don't even complete the race. It's like, well, go try your best. I mean, you already got a father who loves you. Yeah, so. Seeing the way those things flow together can be so helpful. Oh. What if I don't keep my resolutions? What if, what if I don't? What if I, on January tenth I am behind in my Bible reading plan? I don't know. It' pretty good chance you probably are. You know, probably will be. Get back to it mm-hmm. because the God, God's fatherly love towards you christian is not contingent upon you completing your bible reading plan on you know january 10th and making sure it's all checked off right and then you go okay so well then can i throw the bible reading plan in the trash well no don't do that you should stay on it yeah
1: it's it's the difference between seeing duty and law as kind of a bare command Versus this is the will of your heavenly father who loves you and gave his son for you. So we don't obey or attempt to obey in hopes of earning God's favor. God has favored us by grace through what he's done in his son, the Lord Jesus. That is ours by faith. And when we get that inside of us, man, we're we're not trying to earn God's favor. We're not trying to earn his approval. We are confident. His favor, we're confident of his approval because of Christ, and it sets us free. And we, we want to live excellently, we want to do better, we want to grow. And when we fail, it's not, it grieves us, it should grieve us when we sin, but it doesn't have to crush us. We can repent, we can get up, we can start over because our Heavenly Father loves us. When He disciplines us for sin, we don't have to fear that, oh, no, you know, God is angry with us and God is punishing us and I'm going to have to pay for this sin or this is the way I'm paying for my sin. No, Christ has paid for your sin. You know, I, th- I think I've told the story before, but, uh, you know, in a, uh, an unusually dark night for me many, many years ago after some physical trials, uh, I mean, I was just struggling and I told Donna in the middle of the night yeah, I couldn't sleep and I said, I think God tried to kill me.
0: Should we, should we, should we get, go back? Okay. Because it will make more sense yeah. to people if right. they know that you God struck you with a bolt of lightning.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, so he did that. He did that. God struck me with a bolt of lightning. And and that was the first thought I had as God did this. I mean, that's the first conscious thought I remember Is God did this. But it had all kind of physical, emotional, mental consequences. Um, Challenges that came in the wake of that, and one of those challenges was just difficulty sleeping and all kind of horrible thoughts that would just plague me. And so one night, those things combined, and so I'm laying in bed. Don is trying to comfort me, and I said, uh, "I said God tried to kill me. God tried to kill me." And she said, "Honey, he said if God tried to kill you, you'd be dead." (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's right. You know, and it's true. If if I have to pay for my sin, I'm going to be in hell because that's the only right payment for sin. You know, I don't I don't pay for my sin. Does God correct us? Yes. Does he discipline his children? Yes, because he loves us. Not because he hates us, not because he's finished with us. And to get that straight, when I sin, when I fall short of what I know is right and good, it's not just, "Oh man, I broke the rules." It's man, I have grieved my Father. I've sinned against my God. This 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 is wrong and the Lord who purchased me at a great cost of his son has told me this is what he wants, and I've gone against that, and I hate that because it is sin against my father, and that's all the difference in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, there's um, Gerhardus Voss on this. was very helpful, found in Sinclair Ferguson's book, The Whole Christ. Uh, it's a great book by Ferguson, and he's got a chapter on legalism. In that chapter, he quotes Gerhardus Voss, about a peculiar, he, he called Voss said. This is a paraphrase, but Voss said something like, "Legalism is a peculiar kind of obedience to God's law that has lost the divine sense mm. behind the command, the divine mm. being, the Father." Which was very helpful to me, very very helpful, especially as we start off on the new year with resolutions, because I I think there's people that are very serious about law and gospel, good folks that that neglect this peculiar kind of um, legalism. And we can kind of reduce legalism and say, well, legalism is adding to God's law. And it is, but it's not the only thing. We could say legalism is not adding to God's law, but it's trying to keep it in order to be justified. Yep, that's legalism mm-hmm. too, a second kind. But that's not the only kind. This, this third kind that Voss points out is so helpful because you could, we can feel legit, we can kind of, you know, I'm not adding to mm-hmm. God's law, look at me. I'm so glad I'm not like these Mm -hmm. other sinners, you know, like the Pharisee. And I'm not, hey, I'm not trying to be justified. I know I'm justified, you know, but you've fallen into a pattern where you know you're justified and you're not adding to God's law, but you're treating God's law as if it's just uh, Mm -hmm. rules on a chalkboard. And it's not the father himself saying to you, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do today. And we so desperately need that. I need that and say, okay, that's going to help me. Because we all have this underlying sense, especially the new year, that we're not where we ought to be. Like, we're not, we're not all we ought to be, or else you wouldn't make resolutions. <laughs> and and uh, but and then we get real into ourselves. Like, so I'm fine with everybody saying, "Hey, you're not where you're out to be." Cool, but don't spend all day thinking about it. Yeah, like yeah. that's the problem. You go there and you start to just, yeah. you know, well, yes, God said be perfect. Yes, your heavenly Father's perfect. So get after it, but don't spend forever thinking about you're not where you have to be. You need to, you know, as was it Rutherford? Everyone look to self, take 10 looks to Christ, you know, shame. Yeah. and you are justified and you are uh, a daughter and a son of God. And so you can say, praise God for that. That's what Amen. I'm thinking about. My father loves me. And now let's take that step. Let's take the next step, whatever it is that. Needs to be done. Let's just take one step.
1: Yeah, and we can do that, knowing that um, the Lord, who did not spare His Son for us, will surely freely with Him give us all things. And that's going to be true for twenty twenty one. So, man run hard, and do the best you can. When you fall, get up, repent, start over,
0: because you have a Savior. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the very first sword in the trowel of the year of our Lord twenty. 20- 21, and we wish you a happy new year.